Hey everyone, we just have to break some some terrible news. Uh, producer Jasper had to be fired from from Podzilla, King of the Casters, with your host MB Nightingale. And your other host, Brandon. Because Well We realized that his dick has been out the entire time. <laughs> he just constantly had his dick out. That it was unprofessional, and he couldn't keep his paws off me. And he is a dog. <laughs> but that doesn't change his actions. <laughs> yeah. We at Pontilla disavow. <laughs> He's been canceled. <laughs> Our dog has been canceled. <laughs> So, so we've so let, yeah, let's we, take on a lighter we, note. We, we have we, yeah, we have we hired do. a new producer, Gordy the Chimp. Everybody, Gordy the Chimp. <laughs> you hear that? Yeah. Look how happy he sounds. Oh my goodness. We are so happy to have Gordy on the show. We have uh, a celebrity endorsing us now. Oh so my we're gonna we're gonna pop some champagne over this. Get it, get it in. Gordy! Gordy! What the fuck? Gordy! Gordy! No! 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 Wait, he also has his dick out. I think we need to fire him. <laughs> you take an ancient dinosaur god and some toxic waste. You get a monster who stomps around and tries to eat your face. You take some kaiju media, some assholes and a mic. You get a podcast that'll make you rethink your whole life. So come watch Godzilla with Podzilla. King of the casters with NBN Brandon. And Jasper, who's a dog. We'll hire Donald Duck next. Still work out this time. We'll get him an extra. We'll get him one of those sleep shirts, and we won't. And we'll be like, yeah, there you go. This is the attire. It's close enough. As long as he doesn't like do jumping jacks, we won't. We won't see anything. So, hi, folks. Today we're talking about Nope. <laughs> so Nope by uh by you know. And Epic Rap Battles of History alumni, Jordan Peele. Yes. By his most acclaimed work, I would say. Yes, by the man who brought us uh, Muhammad Ali and Martin Luther King Jr. No, it was, yeah. Oh, he was in two, wasn't he? He was in two. Oh my god, frequent veteran of the Epic Rap Battles of History. Only falling behind... Nice Peter and Epic Lloyd themselves. The untouchable, too. (laughs) The duo who cannot be stopped. This is our first film we've done where the director was an alum of Epic Rap Battles of History. Will it be the last? (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Uh, I hear uh, hear Jenna Marbles is is, uh, directing a Wuthering Heights adaptation, so we might... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the possibilities they'll, they'll work a kaiju <laughs> they'll work something in. so full spoilers for nope by the way yeah because complete spoilers there's no way you'd know that this show would make sense for it if you had not seen nope yeah because that's the big that's the big thing about the movie that um, no, nope sold itself as a UFO film but the twist halfway through is it's a kaiju film it's a big ol' it's not the aliens are in the UFO, the alien is the UFO. Yeah. So that's a that was a really fun thing. 
So yeah, this is the this is my second time watching it, and I think you're saying your fourth. Yes, this so. is my fourth time seeing Nope. I saw it twice in theaters, and then I introduced a friend to it, and then I watched it for this episode. Yeah. So what we're saying is, it's all right. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, just over. So starting with you know, this is the first episode recording in the new year. Um, I guess <laughs> this is Nope. So general thoughts about it is this is a. This, this is a really good movie. <laughs> yep. It's a good old time. So, my general thoughts on Nope are Stephen Yun, I live at. This little boy, this little girl, mother and father too. You can top me anytime you want. Steven, I swear. Stephen Yun, that's your pick. Stephen Yun is so in. fucking hot in this movie and in general. <laughs> but God, he's so hot. Got a thing for cowboys? Yes! <laughs> so, wow, yeah, Stephen Yun is great in this movie. It's a very... I think it's, uh, it's a great movie for me. And I really liked it. I'm not, I don't like horror movies that much. But for me, this, this feels to me more like a thriller, but I know it is a horror movie. It's got the best horror scene of the year uh, from the Star Lasso experience through the... Uh, or just the entire lucky section of the movie is... The best horror sequence of the year between the Star Lasso experience, abduction, through the blood rain. It's just great. But the bigger question is, is it profitable? We'll litigate that later. (laughs) Yeah. Not the movie. I I think the movie turned. I don't care. I don't care. I I, I think the movie was. It wasn't like... It's not like an Avatar 2 level budget. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great... And I'm not saying that Steven Yen's the best part of the movie. He is. But no. He's just hot, so he can top me. But <laughs> I'll be stuck in, I'll be stuck with him in jean jacket and that horrible tube any day. <laughs> oh no, I'm in the tube. What if there's only one tube? <laughs> me, try, me trying to attract Steven. Oh, help me, movie star! I'm stuck under a dumpster. <laughs> under a dumpster. Uh, if only there was someone who could fit in here and hide with me for a little bit completely destroying completely shattering jumping the shark of a well-renowned television show how could this happen oh my god in the end he did give good head though oh god Alrighty, alrighty. So, nope. I liked how. I'll, I'll start off by saying. What, well, we need to what that monster do. It's been a while. So yeah, oh we, God. We, we yeah. need to what that monster do on Jean Jacket. Yes. So Jean Jacket is the monster of this movie, and Jean Jacket is a large, very like flowy creature. But most of the movie, it is it's folded in on itself to be a lot more like a UFO-shaped creature. The only notice that you can see is that it's only towards the end of the movie you can really tell it is a, you know, by, you know, an organic creature instead of, like, metal spaceship. Because a lot of the movie, it is very far away. Yeah. Like, you don't quite make it out fully (laughs) until towards the end of it. Yeah. And I think that was, you know, a very deliberate choice. (laughs) So I think that, you know, Jean Jacket is a monster that, it's just an animal. Yeah. It's not overly smart. It's like, it has like a dog, you know, like a dog level of intelligence where it's like, hey, 
I'm going to eat that thing because it looks like a horse. And then I go, wait, that thing hurt my belly. I'm not going to eat anything that looks like the streamer on it anymore. Yeah. So it's like, it, you know, it's not, it's not completely stupid, but it's an animal. It looks, he looks like a giant sand dollar for most of the movie. Yeah, sand dollar with a big hole at the bottom. You know, everyone's pointed. Everyone talking about this movie is pointed out that he looks like a cowboy hat, and he's on the Stephen Yun poster for Mm -hmm. Nope before (laughs) as the cowboy hat. But yeah, yep. (laughs) So it's uh, that's the shape for most of the movie. But towards the end, it it, the creature Jean Jacket just kind of like opens up to reveal like this like kind of butterfly looking. Yeah, it looks Foldable. very much like a lunar moth at times. Yeah, like like yeah. beautiful, flowy creature yeah. with like its mouth as like this kind of fluttery yeah. <laughs> streamer looking thing. Yeah. But um and it you know, its whole thing is it's an animal, it wants to eat. So yeah. like it's eating horses and people, but it can't digest metal or anything inorganic, so it spits it out over time. Yeah. And then, you know, we don't we don't know how it got here. That's not the point of the movie. I don't think it's worth it. Like, I don't think that'd yeah. be something like, it came from, from Mars! It's yeah. not needed. Like, you just know it's here. It's been here for a Actually, while. Actually, now that you've said that, that, there's nothing I want in this movie more than to have some loony old man, Stephen Root specifically, come out and be like, Hey, it's from Jupiter! <laughs> it's from Jupiter, and we all got stupider. It's the, it's the cloth people from Jupiter! They've come for us! Well, with how well tight the script is, he would be towards the beginning, and then we'd learn it's real towards the end. Yeah. Ah, uh, good. I was about to say Stephen Root should work with Jordan Peele before remembering... No, he had... He, he's in Get Out. I think... He's the blind guy in Get Out, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. So that's yeah. so. G Jacket's a pretty pretty spooky creature. Like it yeah. it moves inorganically yeah. for most of the movie. So it's such a big reveal that it does open up into this creature. Yeah. But we see its insides about ha- at I think literally the halfway point. Like halfway in, and it's very like it, it looks like curtains and fabric and like it but doesn't look like except it for the gullet is very. Gross, very slimy, very esophagus-like. Yeah, that's like the only, like, more organic thing we see on the whole thing. Yeah. Because it looks a lot more like a balloon mm-hmm. kind of creature. Yeah. Which is funny, because that's how it, you know, <laughs> that's what yeah. it ends up killing it. But it's a cool creature. I think that it was a well-designed monster, and I'm, you know, watching this the second time, I'm like, whoa, look at this thing. I love it just... How terrifying it is just zooming through like a cloudy sky. Yeah. It's like, that's cool shit. That's cool shit. But um, I think the bigger thing to note is I think this movie is single handedly going to uh, create a Scorpion King remake. <laughs> yes! <laughs> Scorpion King Reclamation Project. As we know, all of us here have very strong feelings for the Scorpion King. All of us have seen it. <laughs> You've seen it, Brandon, right? No. <laughs> neither of us have seen the Scorpion no, King. Yeah, neither of us. I just remember seeing on, like, I think it was Watch Mojo, like, the worst VFX of all time, and it's it's The Rock as the Scorpion King. But that's in The Mummy Returns. That's in The Mummy Returns. Yeah, he... But isn't he also in The Scorpion King? Yes, The Rock is in... So, The Scorpion King is mm-hmm. a spinoff of uh-huh. The Mummy Trilogy. 
Okay. Because the one of the bad guys mm-hmm. in The Mummy Returns is Dwayne The Rock Johnson as the Scorpion King, mm-hmm. but as this giant CGI abomination. In the Scorpion King movie itself, he's the good guy, and he's like... It's his fall to darkness. He's like, ah, I got a sword, I got sandals, uh, uh, somehow I'm going to become that monstrosity that Brendan Fraser fights. It's like the, it's like the prequel progression from yeah. Anakin to Darth Vader, where throughout the movie it's like, wait, why does he look so fake CG? <laughs> it's like his eyes start yeah. looking glossy and uncanny, <laughs> and it's like, no, look at the okay, end. But what's the more iconic villain that Brendan Fraser has fought? Um, and the new one is obesity. Yeah, God, you you, you got my punchline. You stepped. Ah, <laughs> oh, God, I'm never gonna watch the whale. I like I'm, Darren Aronofsky films. I I'm excited. Like, I love his projects. I like Brendan Fraser as a screen presence. No interest in the whale. Never gonna I watch it. I've heard it's a thing. I haven't heard anything about it. Yeah. I haven't heard like it's oh it's good. It sounds yeah. very It's one of the it's one of the films of the award season. So nope. One of the, yeah, one of the best movies last yeah. year, for sure. The um I wanna talk about starting to get into more of the plot of the movie, what I thought was going to be the big thing about the aliens. Oh yeah. <laughs> this is something Brand's been telling uh, told me like we saw it together the first time we saw yeah, it. Yeah, theaters. Great uh, experience. Yeah, great movie theater in uh, out, like outer Boston area uh, called the, the Apple uh, Cinema or Theater? I think it's Apple Cinema. Yeah, Apple Cinema. It's got and a few of them around. During the spring and summer, uh, they have like this really pretty uh, like beer garden outside of it. Oh, yeah. Uh, and we went there after the movie. We, you know, had... Had some had a drink and we discussed it. Um, I got wasted because this movie's so bad. <laughs> oh my god, Logan Paul! How did we get you on here? <laughs> I'm gonna need a bigger bottle. This is a Logan Paul this just a... didn't like the Logan Paul just didn't like Nope because any film that treats filming dead people as a bad thing. <laughs> <laughs> how could you? <laughs> Jordan Beale, how dare you? <laughs> Jean Jacket's the hero damn it <laughs> so so back on track what I thought so the intro of this movie is I do not know how I thought about this the first time because it's very clear that the first audio you hear is the filling of the set and there's already the monkey yeah and then it cuts to you know the monkey attacking and stuff like the, yeah. the fallout of the monkey attack so first time I saw it though I was like Oh my god, it's a monkey ray. <laughs> it's turning, it turned people into monkeys. And for the first, like, 30 minutes of this, I was looking, because, the you know, the monkey was a yellow shirt and then, like, yeah. some kind of pants. In the first half hour of the movie, I was looking at everyone's outfits, and I was like... See if someone would get turned to monkeys? <laughs> yes! <laughs> and I was so dumb and wrong, but it's so clear watching it the second time that, like, no... Like, they are doing the audio the audio buildup of this during, like, the, you know, production yeah. little trailer things. That, like, I don't know how I thought that, but I, I had gunned for it. I was like, that's what's going on. And then when... 
you know, Stephen Young gives the flashback. I was like, okay, that's not what's going on here. It would have been Jordan Peele's brave take on anarcho-primitivism <laughs> and Return to Monkey. Literally <laughs> Return to Monkey. <laughs> Planner of the Apes, he's riding a horse. He's yeah. great. But no, like, that was that was my wrong swing for the fences that I thought about in the first bit. But yeah, that's, it's a really, um, I think, I think people have had bad things that, oh, the monkey doesn't relate to the rest of this at all. Yeah. But I think it, you know, directly, like, yeah. it's very closely knit together about, you know, a wild animal. Gordy's very important and currently beating me with my own left arm. You see, uh, Gordy, Gordy's the yeah. key to all of this. Yeah, we haven't gotten him out of the studio yet. Uh, it's getting really uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, the door's locked, but he's breaking in. <laughs> okay, about the Gordy segment. Mm-hmm. Something I learned that came out is that there was a whole section of this movie cut. Really? That was gonna be during... The Gordy section was gonna be longer. It was going to be... Like the intro part or the full reveal part? The, the entire, you know, the Gordy like chapter the of the movie. Okay. It was going to begin by following a obsessed John Hinckley Jr. style stalker of the teenage girl on the show. Oh, goodness. Yeah, who goes to the recording, and he's the one that shoots Gordy. Really? So, all of that, and you know... Knowing that, watching this, you never see the cops at all. No, it's so, very, it could have easily been yeah, edited uh, around. Yeah, it's very obviously just ADR'd you in. You say, woo, 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 yeah, like yeah, because, so like, in the movie as it stands, Gordy, during the, we're assuming everyone's seen this movie, who's watching this episode at this point. The full uh, spoilers, at least, uh, so. So, you know, the sequence ends with Gordy being shot and police sirens going off and we're hearing cops talk, but we don't actually see any cops, we don't see any... Any uh, lights, l- any red and blue lights. Yeah, all of which would be weird in the studio. <laughs> they crashed They just through. Blues Brothers style drove through the wall. We'll save you, Gordy, you're innocent. <laughs> so, with the, so that was very interesting with the knowledge that, oh, a, it was supposed to be an entirely different character who shoots uh, Gordy shoots in the original. I think I'm glad they cut that. Yeah, I'm glad too. That feels like one of those things that's like an interesting draft idea that then when you actually think about what that, the messaging of that and like what, what, wait, what are we exactly trying to say here? That's something you cut. It's, that's one of those, you know, you you put cool stuff, cool ideas in and then you're like, "Uh, this isn't, doesn't really gel with the story I'm trying to tell. Yeah. Like I think that would distract from the main focus, which is Gordy himself. And, like, the kid. Yeah. So, like, I think, wow, that's pretty nuts that they cut that whole little bit. But I think the movie's better for it. Yeah. So, yeah, we can start with that intro, just of Gordy, just the monkey, like, he's all bloodied up. And then we immediately cut to, like, it's now present day. And OJ and his dad are doing horse stuff. Horse stuff. Horse stuff. Keith Keith David is one of my favorites whenever he shows up in anything. I'm like, look at that guy. Keith David, oh, you got a voice. He's, whenever he, you can tell his voice in any cartoon. Yeah. Like, I think he is the dog in Infinity Train. Uh, no, that's actually no, Ernie Hudson. 
It's Ernie Hudson. It's a different guy I'm thinking about. Uh, I don't think so Keith David does in Vanity Train. Uh, okay. He is, however, president of the United States in everyone's favorite incest cartoon, Rick and Morty. <laughs> oh, God, you're right. That's what I'm thinking of. It's yeah. such a bad show. I, oh we, we won't. We were not. We're not litigating the whole R and M here. We're talking about uh, the intro where you know O J and his dad are doing horse stuff, and there's like you know some Keith David is already presented as like this larger than life, like I'm yeah. the real cowboy figure. You know, he's yeah. on the. He's got the horse. He's riding the horse. He's got the cowboy hat. He's got a speech that I think I haven't figured out how it's important yet, but feels important to me. Of like. You know, we do a good job on this, they'll have to bring us back for the sequel. For the sequel. What he's saying is, nope, two. No, he's saying, Scorpion King. <laughs> Scorpion King four? Are like, I, I think there might already be four <laughs> Scorpion Kings. That's the... That's the <laughs> I geez. think they might pump a Scorpion King movie out a month. Oh, God. <laughs> God, it's a back for the sequel. Um, I've been a cable car for so long, I, I can't even scroll past sci-fi original movies to see oh they're on the they're on scorpion king six now okay wow yeah he talks about the sequel and i think like i feel like so far when i think of that speech it's more about this instantly goes this is what they do as a job yeah like they're like horse trainers at a at a hollywood studio and and uh, yeah, so we get the little bit, a little bit of their economic anxiety too, though, with like the, uh, you know, if we do get on this job, we won't have to sell any more horses. Oh, yeah. Uh, but then, then, he, we see you know, uh, random objects start flying down from the sky, hitting it well, hard. First, he he looks up and he hears like this screaming, like this yeah. this vague like very yeah. dull screaming. Yeah. And then all these objects, which makes me think, because you know this is. A full spoiler thing. What did Jean Jacket already eat? <laughs> like, who already was uh, was just some poor soul walking out of the desert? <laughs> I think Stephen Yun is lying about the first interaction. Really? Well. Oh, we'll get there. Okay. Later when we get to his speech during the last start. I think... Uh, Come on, you've seen the movie if you're listening to this. We're just going to discuss this uh, in depth. We're not going to... We don't need chronology here. Uh, I think that, you know, he's got that speech, and we called it out. This story about the, uh, you know, the the experience with the horse, Mm -hmm. and that's the God's honest truth, I swear on my wife and children's lives... I swear my wife and children's lives, well... And they all then die. I think that it was a worker at Jup- at Jupiter's claim... Oh, uh, God. That, that got claimed. That, that got, got claimed. That got claimed by Jean Jacket. <laughs> Jupiter's claim, a... Oh, God. A, a theme park. Oh, Jesus. A very interesting... It's not a theme park. It's a roadside, it's a roadside attraction. attraction. So that would make sense then that the person who got caught in this intro sequence, the person who got just got eaten by Jean Jacket, yeah. why it's so little amount of things. It's like 
a co- yeah. it's like a nickel, some car keys. Yeah, it's some like, change and some keys. Like yeah. some small things that would be in a usual person's pocket. Yeah. So now I think about that, yeah, I think you're, <laughs> I think you're, you're onto something there. Yeah. But you know, so Keith David dies, and now he has to, the son OJ and his sister Emerald, they have to like, they have to keep the business going. Yeah, and uh, Emerald, wonderfully played by Kiki Palmer. Kiki Palmer, yeah. Who you know, I haven't really seen in anything since like, True Jackson VP. Uh, and uh, Akila and the Bee, and like her, her, her child and teenage work. I have, I this is my first adult project I've seen of Kiki Palmer, mm-hmm. uh, but she's great in this movie. Uh, oh. I love the fact, I love the fact that she's getting Oscar buzz for this movie. Yeah, really. I supporting would it be, or would it be? Uh, not they, they, they are they are running her and supporting, but I feel like that's category fraud. I feel like, one, she's the protagonist of this movie, so she's definitely a lead, uh, the female lead of the film. Um, yeah, I was going to say, like, I feel yeah. like, you know, the Fry's electronics guy, that's a supporting actor. Oh, uh, God, Angel. <laughs> so I love the performance and writing on Angel specifically because he has the vibe of a horror movie character who does not make it past Act 1. But he makes it. <laughs> and he, it feels like he's kind of aware of that and constantly just knows he's on borrowed time. <laughs> That's why he keeps leaving the that. ranch. He's yeah. like, I'll be back tomorrow. Yeah. I'm like, not gonna be here. Really, in most, mo- in most movies, this character dies confused, having no idea what's happening, like 30 minutes into yeah. the movie to like last the fir- no Like he just series. set up the cameras. Yeah. And then he's like, what's that? Whoa! Yeah. And then all the cameras didn't get anything. But he makes it to the end, maybe. He does. So, wow. So, he's, uh... Yeah, so they're doing the performance thing. And I love... Very deliberate choice on Mr. Peel's part that the Hollywood studio, there was not a single person who wasn't white that I can notice. Yeah, outside of Haywood Hollywood horses. Exactly. Outside of the... Yeah. Yeah, of OJ and his sister Emerald. Everybody is, like, these white, like, liberal guys (laughs) and girls. And they're like... Yeah, great job. I love it. Yeah, woo. Yeah. And it's it's sad. Because then they have a, you know, they're filming the commercial and this guy gets in the horses. Yeah. It's, is it Lucky, I think? I think that's yeah, Lucky. Uh, yeah, Lucky. Yeah, because the, the actress is like, oh, is he Lucky, huh? Mm-hmm. But the guy shines a mirror and Lucky's face freaks him out and he, like, kicks yeah. a sandbag over. And then, you know, they lost the job. They're doing do a CG horse. Yeah. And it's like, man, that sucks. Yeah, and so then, from that point, we meet, he has to sell a horse off, so we meet, uh, we haven't really talked about Daniel, Daniel Kaluuya's performance yet, which I think is amazing, it's been a controversial one, uh, like, some people thinking it's horrible work from him, but which I think those are people who just do not understand the character, uh, I think... I think it's a very it's a very interesting, compelling performance. I, I think it's just a very compelling performance of someone who is awkward and bad in front of of crowds. Like that's the whole that's the whole thing. Uh, he and uh, he and Emerald are both uh, you know, are both exact splits of what made their father successful. He is he's actually got all of the technical know how for the for the job, but. 
Emerald has that confidence that and you know charisma and interpersonal skills that are what made uh, their father successful. And split into two. Yeah, and you know also both of their names representatives of massive moments of spectacle in 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 American culture. Uh, Emerald being a reference to the Emerald City and the Wizard of Oz. Mm -hmm. Uh, something I became more convinced of in a, well, I had the idea like during this watch early on, and it felt really cemented with for me when she's watching the Wizard of Oz later. Yeah, it's like oh, that's intentional. Yeah, and, and OJ because orange juice is a very popular drink. In definitely, America. no other reason, no other media, no spectacle no other media spectacle coinciding with racial things. <laughs> Never. Yeah. Never associated with those two letters. Yeah. And so, yeah, so, but yeah, I love those two performances. Then we, I love Steven Yeun's performance, uh, who were, uh, which is the next character we meet because OJ has to sell off another horse who he's been selling them off to Jupe. Which, which I'm wondering, how many horses has he sold at this point? Yeah. Like... The timeline... So, six months... So, he's, according to Jupe, they have fed a horse to... They have fed a horse to this, uh... To Jean Jacket. To Jean Jacket every Friday for the past six months. So, so... Oh, we can crunch some numbers from that. <laughs> 24 horses have been fed to Jean Jacket, then. 24 horses. Over six months. How is... How is nobody... This is not a thing in the movie. It's just a funny, like... Uh, how a, is he turning a profit? Yeah, how is he turning Horses a profit? Horses are expensive. A horse a week. Okay, so... So, Brett, let, let's look up how much horses go for right now. Couple of thousands of dollars minimum. Uh, the we, cost we can range for a couple of hundred dollars to several thousands of dollars. A couple of hundred, okay. Okay, well, keep in mind, I guess he doesn't have to worry too much about housing them for long term. <laughs> that and, but also the fact that, like, so if OJ is saving the farm by selling these horses off... He can't be selling them for nothing. Yeah, and they are Hollywood quality horses, so these are pretty horses. Pretty uh, horses. Like, well-bred. So, uh, this is, let's say, Maybe conservatively $2,000. $2,000 apiece? I'd say that's the conservative estimate. Okay. Well, if we got two thousand apiece and we multiply that by, you said what, twenty eight? Twenty four horses. Twenty four horses. Stephen Young, the cowboy, has put forty eight thousand dollars into these horses. Now, here's the math, folks. Honestly, he's very lucky. Him and his entire family died here because they would have been in bad finances. Because if, if Jean Jacket didn't get him, the debt would have. Yeah. Because here's the thing, here's the thing, folks, here's the thing. On, what I was saying is, so folks, $48,000 over six months, you said, right? Yes. Okay. So, let's go with, let's estimate the Friday we see in the movie before they all get eaten, right? How many people do you think were there? 40? 30? Four, there were... Probably 30 to 40, I want to say. What do you think? I, how big would you say Jean Jacket is? I, I'm very confused by how big Jean Jacket is. Jean Jacket's... 
Okay, so they said two... Bigger than a house. Yeah. Okay, so I would... hmm. So, like... We're assuming... How many people would he have to be... So, let's assume... How much do we think that stadium could uh, could hold? That they're holding the Star Lasso. That's huge. Hundred people. Okay, so I feel like that's a little. Low. I feel like two hundred for that amount of seats. Yeah, I feel like that's a two hundred person stadium. That's not that much. That's like a, a small theater experience. Two hundred. Yeah. All right. So two hundred. It looks like a third capacity that day. Yeah, that day. But let's assume just. I, I don't care if this would have worked, okay. uh, I don't think it would have, but let's assume what in his mind the business plan here was. <laughs> so, okay, so... So, per show, let's assume, let's assume he is banking on two-thirds capacity, so roughly, uh, roughly 130 seats. people. 130 people. And... Yep. We're assuming he's selling these horses for $2,000. Uh, other expenses, including running the place, let's say it's $3,000 a show. All right. So, how much... So, 3000 divided by 130 here. 3000 divided by 130? It's about 23 bucks a person. And that's just to break even. That's just to break even. So... To actually be making like a nice profit, he would have to be charging thirty dollars a head. A head for, for the Starlasso experience. That's a pretty bold thing for and this, this little side yeah. for this little yeah. tourist attraction. That's like, yeah. hey, do you want to see an alien? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's a pretty tough sell. Yeah. So what we're saying is, folks, I think that this character took. What could have been lucrative gold, and he spun it into debt. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he spun it into what we'd only assume would be great financial loss. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a horse a week. That's a horse. Because keep in mind, like, yeah. the rest of the week, I mean, you just got to be, like, making money off of the other attractions. That Why are is he buying these nice Hollywood horses? Get... Get like the get the shitty fucking yeah, one. Get, get a get a fucking donkey. Get donkeys. Get like get ones that will like. Just... Why did he go horses? There are much cheaper farm animals <laughs> <laughs> that are designed for people to eat them, so there'll be less questions when they go missing. <laughs> We're coming for you, Stephen yeah. Gunn's character in No. Yeah, Jupe. Jupe. <laughs> We're gonna. Get... I I do find it very funny the fact that well very. If he wanted to fit in the theme more, cows, yeah. cows are right there. So, <laughs> the thing I found very interesting with uh, the Jupe character mm-hmm. is that he's clearly modeled off of. Uh, I can never get this guy's name right. Who? Uh, from from what? Uh, the the da- the. The actor who was the dad in Everything Everywhere All at Once. Uh, oh. Uh, who was Data and Short Round as a kid. He's clearly, that is clearly Steven Yun's uh, point of reference for this performer of being like a child star who fell off uh, yeah. thing. 
and and so it's very fu- it's very funny to me that he this movie comes out in the same year that uh, that he had this amazing yeah. comeback of a, of a yeah. movie. It's crazy, but um, I thought that was interesting when he meets to sell the horse, and he's so like, and this character you said yeah. Quan. What's uh, let me. In the movie. In the movie, it's Jupe. Jupe, okay. So Jupe is like, I think like you can tell that Jupe is like separated his. Oh, I did have it right. Ki Hu Quan. Yeah. I did not want to guess on okay. that. Yeah. yeah. So he try. You know, there's this whole thing where he has like this whole room dedicated to this monkey show, right? Mm-hmm. And he tries. You know, he's acting like, yeah, I'm all good. You know, like, wow. It feels weird because it feels like he's looking at it from like an outsider perspective as a weird collector. Yeah. Does that make sense? Instead of like, being someone who was deeply affected by this uh, horrific trauma. Yeah. And I wonder if that's like a, that's my... like a trauma response thing where he's like, did you see that crazy Saturday Night Live thing? Yeah, he talks about going it on? through the... Like through the lens of like... Of a Saturday Night Live skit about the event, which... Instead of like, Let me yeah. tell you, Saturday Night Live, one... I, it's a place of very bad taste quite often, <laughs> but this feels like it'd be pushing it for their bad taste to make a comedy skit out of this. Out of a monkey, out of a monkey, like, severely beating people? Yeah, uh, it, like, were he and the teenage girl the only survivors, though? I don't... Only survivors... I don't know. We don't hear that the monkey killed anybody. That's fair. Like, we know... I don't know. I thought that Gordy... My assumption throughout the whole time, every time I've watched this, has been, until this time, that Gordy killed... The old guy? Uh, the the father and the mother, and he, and, uh, you know, Jupe, and, uh, and Jupe and his, and the, uh, Missy, the teenage character, uh, were... The only survivors, yeah. and just barely at that. Uh, like, but yeah, like it's. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure because I don't remember seeing the bodies in that scene, other yeah. than her, the teenage girl. Mm-hmm. But you know, it's not. Yeah. You know, that's not like the direct. Yeah. Important enough for them to bring it up. Yeah. It's like, oh, you know, two lived and two died. It's like you know, just look at this fucking monkey. Look at this animal. But yeah, so that's. Uh, now it's time to talk about. I think my thematic interpretation of Nope, uh, uh-huh. which I think I've shared with you before. But oh, yeah? Nope is a film about what it means to make art out of trauma. And that is what... That is what Jordan Peele seems to be getting at here and questioning his own artistic goals. Uh, you know, because th- Jordan Peele's made his entire career uh, in one way or another out of making art out of his trauma, uh, you know, growing up in a racist society, uh, be that Key and Peel, uh, which sketch comedy is specifically evoked uh, through the character of Jupe, who I think is the Jordan Peel stand-in of the movie, uh, and you know, and you know, through his films, and it's that's what all of the characters are doing uh, here. They're trying to. They're trying to make art out of something horrific, out of, mm-hmm. uh, you know, something linked to the death of O.J. and Emerald's father. They're like, well, uh, we want to try to get something yeah, and, positive from this. And, yeah, and 
I think it's an artist questioning his uh, what he does. Uh, and, you know, it's... Jupe is a character who has made his big life trauma into a giant spectacle with that Gordy's Home, uh, you know, exhibit. And, yeah. you know, he... He ultimately gets consumed by something that he refers to as the viewers. Yep. <laughs> and, you know, then we've also got that moment, uh, and that, I think, is... That lens is what helped me make sense of a lot of characters' actions throughout. Uh, it, that thematic lens. Uh, one, uh, we've got... The big question mark is... Michael Wincott, uh, ant Antlers, or Antler Holst's, uh, Holst's oh, yeah. name. Why he's doing what he's doing. Yeah, why he knows he can't survive, why he sacrifices his life to try and get that perfect shot. When, you know. And it's letting the, it's letting making the art about this painful thing literally consume you. Uh, that's like, why, that's what happens, Yeah. yeah. Well, it eats you and the art. Like, yeah, nobody's it, gonna he, he does, see he that. Does, yeah, he doesn't get. He not only ruins, doesn't capture what he's trying to. He ruins all of the footage he's already gotten. Yeah, and you know, and we've all, you've also got that moment where where the character of Angel, like, he tries to ask you know convince himself and everyone that this is a good thing we're doing. We're, we're, we're helping people. We're helping. We're doing this. And then it's like, well, it falls completely... That TMZ lighting. guy yeah. you know, gets eaten up. Yeah, so that's my thematic interpretation of Nope. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So my thematic interpretation is... Your okay. thematic interpretation? <laughs> my interpretation... That was the most New England thing you've ever said. <laughs> my interpretation is... The way that that little roadside attraction made a profit was cactus ices were five thousand dollars. Oh God! Each. We, <laughs> the cactus ices. I want them so bad. Why did they make them? Why is it? Uh... Icy is leaving money on the floor right now. Yeah. Or on the table. On the table. Yeah. Yeah, on the floor you could pick it up. Yeah. You could, you well, know. on the table you could also easily pick up the money. Oh, yeah. So on the but, maybe on the floor would be a slightly harder prospect. Uh, okay. But on the table, it's right there. Just make the cactus icy. I was shocked. I looked it up. It doesn't exist. I've it's not a real thing. Everyone I know who's watched this movie has one noticed the cactus icy, <laughs> and two wants to try the cactus icy. It doesn't exist. Yeah. And it's really weird because like icy had like a promotional thing on their website for nope. Okay. And I'm like. Ugh. Where's the cactus I see? If Jordan Peele had partnered with Slurpee, Slurpee would have done it. <laughs> Slurpees do what Icy don't. Slurpee does does pr uh, promotional stuff all the time like that. Like kryptonite flavored Slurpees they do every once in a while. <laughs> yeah. I just... I want the Slurpee! I want the cactus. Watch out for your leg there. Is that... Is that cracking? Okay, it's okay. Yeah, it's good. Right. But, um, <laughs> I yeah. need that cactus icy. It, it stood out to my mind. It's just, it looks It so stands good. right out. It's quite a time. But, uh, yeah, so he sells the horse, and then he, he goes to this big, you know, the guy buying it goes to the big spiel about 
Saturday Night Live and this, and then we get that cutaway to the rest of the story of the monkey, where, you know, the rest of it where he goes crazy, and then, you know, he doesn't tell you, but you realize the only reason the monkey didn't kill him was because he didn't look him in the eyes. Yeah, we get that during the Gordy section. Uh, but the Gordy. Yeah, uh, so what else happens in this movie that's really uh, the, the good stuff? Because we've been, again, talking about out of order. Maybe you're right. Maybe we should cr- cr- do these things. Cut. That's why I'm trying to get back on track there. So the well, Gordy he, sequence. Well, the Gordy sequence. Right does, no, it doesn't. No, it does. No, the Gordy sequence doesn't happen for like another 20 or 30 minutes of the film. Oh, what I'm thinking of is there's like one sh- like quick Yeah, we get a shot, shot in there. And okay. It's a lot of, but yeah. Yeah, they have the shot. And then after this, I think this is the chunk where they're shopping and they're like, oh, we should like. Yeah. No, they, no, 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 they don't even, dis- it's the, they haven't even discovered Jean Jacket. No, yeah, it's that night. Yeah. When, you know, he's going out and why is, you know, why is Ghost out in the, in the pasture or whatever? And he goes out and he goes, oh my God. And, you know. Rewatching it, you realize what you see is yeah. the sacrificing horse performance. Yeah. Because <laughs> you see the lights go on. He goes, here you go, check it out. But, uh, you know, he's trying to get Ghost back inside. <laughs> and then you see, like, the, the first shot of Jean Jacket in the movie. Yeah. Where it's just a whoop right into the clouds. Yeah. It's like, oh, fuck. <laughs> and he just runs right in. He's like, he's like, what is that? It's big. Yeah. <laughs> it's It's big. <laughs> It's one of the things I really like about the sibling dynamic in this movie is the fact that they, uh, that no questions asked, Ki- uh, Kiki Palmer instantly believes him. Mm-hmm. Uh, just that's like the sibling dynamic is really strong while not being well, clearly not being a friendship, which is I don't know. That's that's kind of my relationship with my brother and sister, in which we we could we fall. In which we fall into conversation with each other uh, really easily uh, and, you know, kind of feed off each other conversationally, but we're... Being siblings doesn't mean that we're, like, all that similar, so we are nothing alike, so it's like... uh, I don't know, siblings are weird. (laughs) Yeah. Especially when they're twins. Oh, God, twins are so (laughs) gross. It's the weird thing where, um... I could see a lesser version of this movie where, like, he has to convince her it's real yeah. for, like, half an hour. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm glad they just just skip right past that. And they're like, nope, yeah. it's real. And yeah. they immediately go out and get all those camera equipment yeah. and everything. And that's where, you know, Angel is. Yeah. And they, you know, hey, can you set this up for us? So they set up the, the two electric cameras yeah. doing their thing. Because they want to catch it on video. They're very immediately like, we want to, you know, yeah. have this on Oprah. Yeah. Like... There is not, like, for the good of humanity, it's like, no, no, we want to get famous. Like, yeah. which, you know, not a bad idea <laughs> with this. So they set up the cameras, and I think it's that night when they're trying to get the cameras, you know, on them. Yeah, that night, uh, uh, they, you know, they have a sequence of them trying to get the shot with the cameras, it doesn't work. That's kind of the, the structure of this movie is largely they try a new thing to film it, doesn't work. Doesn't work. They try something else, doesn't yeah. work. <laughs> Very Jaws-like in that, which I know Jaws was a big reference point uh, for uh, for this film script. It makes sense. Yeah. 
We could definitely see that mm-hmm. with how um, much that is that's going on. But yeah, so then we get the Star Lasso experience, which we've already talked about significantly, but we'll talk well, about it. Before more. that, there's a little sequence where you think you see the aliens, but it's just the kids. Yeah, that's during yeah, that's during that during night that night. night sequence. But yeah, so the Star Lasso experience scene is really good. Probably um, the one of the best scenes of the whole movie. Yeah, Steven Yun's big monologue, and mm. uh, so the Star Lasso experience, you know, in which Steven Yun uh, presents the uh, you know presents to the audience uh, the fact that he's been training the UFO, the U- what he thinks is a UFO, uh, and how he's about to give them a show, and then everyone gets eaten uh, is yeah. <laughs> really interesting for a couple of reasons. What? Cactus Icy. Cactus Icy. That's it. Moving on. Uh, but also, that's why it's the best sequence in the movie. It's that Cactus Icy. Jordan Peele knows enough to unsell us without taking us too over the top. Like, to what would be too unbearable. Uh, he focuses several times on the fact that there are kids among the group. Mm-hmm. We, get, we see plenty of kids. They are, uh, without being too... Cheesy in his shot framing and drawing too much attention to it. Like a, hey everybody! Yeah. I love my family. There's, uh, you know, it is drawn attention to a lot that there are kids in the audience. Mm-hmm. And, you know, then he does not show up the kids in the gullet, which I think would have been too much to bear as an audience member. Yeah. Uh, but... Do you know they're there? Yeah, you know the kids are... that A lot of children died. Uh, yeah. But, um... And the other thing is... Not showing Steven Yeun in the gullet, I think, is very important as well. Because... I, I mean, at the time I was a bit confused and I thought, Oh, I didn't see him in there. Is, is he alive? Is he coming up later? Yeah, but... Nah. I'm still alive. That was my... That, I, that was my Marvel brain. Uh, <laughs> oh no! The uh, the modification of this of movies yeah. and their consequences have been disastrous for the theater going experience. Yeah. But no, I think it's important because it's showing us the consequences of his actions. Instead of focusing on him, it does not just become a poetic justice. It becomes a oh, this guy killed is an idiot who killed a lot of people. Yeah, so it's like, you know he's already getting his comeuppance. You know he's in there. Yeah. But it's focusing on, like, all the other people. Yeah. And that, oh, that poor woman that now another animal is <laughs> finishing yeah. the job. Yeah. Because I, I think, yeah, she's in there. You see her. Yeah. It's like, oh, damn, that that sucks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. You having fun? There you go, buddy. You're so silly. You're so silly. Man, that's good stuff. Yeah. Sucks them up. It's like these weird fabric curtains. Mm-hmm. Very like, you know, not the traditional monster gullet where it's like all slimy and like yeah. that. It's very like abstract and, kind of. And then we go right. It's very slimy. It's Is very it? slimy. I didn't notice yeah, Everyone's much. covered in blood. It's gross. Oh boy. Uh, but, uh, uh, then we get, you know, the sequence of Jean Jacket then goes and attacks our main characters uh, by hovering over their house 
crushing everyone inside of his gullet, and then just fucking spitting out all of their, yeah, all, like, raining blood down on the house, and uh, all of their, you know, their keepsakes. It's yeah. fucked. Because it's yeah. really scary, because, um, because right before that, you see, like, you know, like, the main guy's like, I'm gonna get my horse back. Yeah. So, like, he is there right after yeah. they, everyone gets sucked up. Mm-hmm. And now they're, like, you know, Angel and Kiki or yeah. Emerald or that. They're in the house like, oh, fuck, all this blood's yeah. coming down. I know that was a widely used promotion thing. It was just all the blood on the house. Huh. I've seen it a couple times. Okay. I, I don't remember that image from the from the advertisements. Maybe it was more of the trailers. Yeah. That's what I'm thinking of. What else? But there's also, you know, it's also an interesting little twist there because... I did not think that being uh, up up until you know it's a beast eating people, mm-hmm. you do not think that the uh, that you don't necessarily think that abduction equals death yet, because yeah, alien abduction usually you know, they put I, I, they put you on a little table they they strap you in you think oh OJ and Emerald will probably get uh, abducted at, at, some at some point, point. and they got to escape and everything yeah. And- but, uh, no. no, it's a meat grinder. <laughs> like, yeah. Like if you get up there, you are fucked. Like, yeah. Like, you're fucked. It's over. Like, yeah. it could not be more over once you get in that gullet. <laughs> but, but uh, yeah. So from that point, after that sequence, they decide they still have to do it. They get the cinematographer uh, yeah, and get him on board. Uh, and then. They come up with their grand scheme, uh, in the, uh, which is to, really cool, they rig up a bunch of inflatable tube men, so, uh, so that, you know, they can tell exactly where Jean Jacket is at any given right. time. Because this whole thing is, if he's nearby, nothing electric works. Yeah. Not even, like, like, like if it's a phone battery, dead. Yeah. Like, all those things, nothing will work. He's a giant EMP. Yeah. yeah. So, because of that... Like you said, when they, they have this big circle of two men, when the two men fall down, they know, oh, that's where Jean Jacket is. Yeah. And, like, in surrounding this field. <laughs> so they got that all set up with car batteries from... From the uh, the cars of the deceased. From Yeah, from the cars of those folks. Which the cops, who are really bad at this, their job in this movie, just... They just left the cars there. They just left them and put a couple caution tapes. <laughs> yeah, the cops left the cars there, and... Did not investigate the house right up the road, drenched in blood. <laughs> nah, not important. Yeah, we don't see a single police officer in this whole movie. No, we only hear them. Yeah. yeah. Like, no, it's very much like, uh, yeah. like, wow, what the fuck is going on there? Yeah. So they're all set up, they're ready to go. The cinematographer has, like, a hand-cranking camera. Yeah, like an old-fashioned one that he's made. But, uh, oh, yeah, to get the footage, because yeah. no electricity. Yeah. So the crank is an doing An IMAX that. camera at the... An IMAX camera, apparently. Yes. <laughs> so that was getting all set up. Yeah. It was all ready. It was all working out. So they were about to... The day comes, they're setting up everything. Yeah. And a TMZ reporter shows up. Yep, TMZ reporter shows up uh, trying to get information about the Jupes claim uh, uh, incident where everyone, the, where the press believes everyone was just sweeped up in a flash flood. Mm-hmm. Should be a pretty funny way to go. <laughs> in a desert? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, Whoa! Well, I mean, deserts get flash floods. 
That's why they're called flash floods. Because they're not expecting them. Yeah, because you're not expecting them, and then the water's gone. It's just Oof. a weird thing that can happen. Kaboom. Uh, but, but yeah, so then uh, the reporter gets eaten by Jean Jacket. Trying to save him, OJ uh, gets a little too close. But then they're able to get the shot. Uh, this beautiful recording of yeah. he's riding his horse. <laughs> he's got eyes on the yeah. back of his uh, Scorpion King sweatshirt. <laughs> <laughs> To attract Jean Jacket to go after him. Yeah. And they, you know, it's this beautiful shot. Like, Jean Jacket, like, turns on their side. Mm -hmm. Like, you can see everything. Yeah. At that point. Mm -hmm. And then you're like, it's perfect. And then the director, you know, Jean, right at the last second, poof, pulls out this little flag thing to, like, scare Jean Jacket away yeah. from eating him. Runs off, and they go, we did it, we're done. And the cinematographer was like, no. Yeah. It's almost perfect, and you're like, oh, dude. <laughs> and he tries for a better shot, ends up almost getting everyone killed. Uh, OJ sacrifices himself for Emerald, and and Emerald, uh, but Emerald is able to, running away from Jean Jacket, uh, get the shot with the little photo booth we were introduced to, uh, yeah, the the yeah. big well photo booth. Yeah. <laughs> uh, she's able to kill Jean Jacket with a giant inflatable Steven Yun. And Which could not have been cheap. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'd buy an inflatable Steven Yun. <laughs> <laughs> Even the, like, the cartoony looking one? No, not no. the cartoony looking one. The dad from Minari. <laughs> <laughs> You'll never stop my thirst. I just want to. I just want to <laughs> add in the music of Up. Yeah. <laughs> and then like, yeah. and you're in the house, yeah. and you're like, you'll never catch me, and you pull the string, and suddenly ten thousand realistic blow-up dolls of Steven Young <laughs> to raise your... Then I fill it with helium. Exactly, helium. Start lifting your house above yeah. the coppers yeah. for, like, you're trying to investigate for tax fraud. And you're like, you'll never get me. <laughs> that, that's how that works. Uh, but... Yeah, they... He fucks up. Gets him killed, loses the footage. Yeah, but, but thankfully then, the well's they, able they to kill get the him with, They, ki they kill Jean Jagger by tricking him into eating giant inflatable Steven Young and exploding himself. Mm -hmm. And then, oh, OJ is... Well, how do you interpret the ending? Do you think OJ's alive at the end? Which, my phrasing shows you that I don't. But... When would he be an eat? Well, he sacrifices himself for her. Then the surprise is, oh, he's alive. Oh, but, I get. Oh, I get it. I think she's imagining it for a couple of reasons. Oh, I get. Cause okay, now I get it. Cause she says like, oh, go, I'll hold him off or whatever. Yeah, that's him sacrificing. Did you not realize that that's him sacrificing himself? For her? I remember he said that, <laughs> but then I don't. I didn't... I was so focused on the, the balloon stuff. Yeah. But it was so focused on that that I did not remember that we didn't see him since then until now. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, we only see him one last time and he's in the frame of the yeah. beyond or whatever. Ever yeah. beyond. Yeah, or so he's... 
Yeah, we only see him again in the mist after she's like closed her eyes really tight. She opens them, looks, and he's there framed by, uh, by get get, y- get yonder or, or the great yonder. Yeah, the great yonder. Something like that. Yeah, which yeah, and he's framed in. He's got the horse. Yeah, which I think he's it. I, I like think, you do not yeah. see him go anywhere else. I think he's dead at the end of the movie. I think OJ's dead. I, I think it's kept ambiguous. I think if you're more optimistic than I am, you can think, oh, OJ did somehow survive Jean Jacket trying to eat him. I think OJ's dead at the end. Mm, it is interesting, because I think if they wanted to more expli- if they wanted to make it more explicit he was alive, they would have mm-hmm. had a short, you know, sequence of him escaping or something. Yeah. Like riding the horse away. Mm-hmm. So the fact that you don't, and then you see him at the end in the mist, probably reminds me a lot of the the end of. of the, I was Godzilla, thinking that as well. Where it's the mist, and you see him yeah. come in, and you're like, "Well, is that the sun? Is that you know the vision, whatever?" Um, yeah, I think. I mean, I want him to be alive. I'm leaving on that. I mean, I don't want Daniel Kaluuya to die. Well, no, but... no, but like, I I think for me, it's like. Yeah. I saw that more as a triumphant thing where it's like, oh, he looked like his dad in the beginning when he was yeah. riding as a cowboy in yeah. the field. And it's like, oh, look at that. He's doing the same thing. Yeah. Like, he's, he's, he's built his way up. <laughs> but then if they were doing that more explicitly, they probably would have had a couple shots of, yeah. of him doing it. <laughs> so I'm not sure. I, do, I, I think I lean on him being alive, though, because I don't care more. But I do see why that's ambiguous. Yeah. Great yonder. Yeah. <laughs> you know? But he got, she got the picture, all the reporters are coming in, and yeah. boom, cut. Yeah. The last lines of the movie are a PA uh, announcement of, like, pre-recorded of Stephen Young telling us, well, that's the show. Well, Hope you had a good show, time, folks. everybody. See you later. And that was at dusk, which is, you know, about 6 to 7 o'clock. Yeah. So, it's not an after-hours thing. Yeah. It's a sun goes down, we're out of here kind of deal. Yeah. So, you know, less hours of operation, less operating costs, but less revenue. But I'm sure there's a lot less traffic in yeah. nighttime. <laughs> Could <Yeah>. you imagine? <laughs> After dark. <laughs> uh, so do we have any other things we want to talk about in regards to Nope? I do have some fun trivia things Ooh, I found. yeah, I'll take that fun trivia. Oh, yeah, I love the, uh, the thing where, do you know in the intro where she gives the speech about, like, the horse thing and then she loses a great and he has to go great? Yeah. Another great uh-huh. is that that re that's not yeah. a it's a character thing, but it's also because she memorized it from, from her dad, her dad yeah. saying it, and then, you know there wasn't an extra great at that point. Yeah, apparently this is the first horror film to be filmed with IMAX cameras. Looks really good. I can see that. Yeah. Also, this is the first Jordan Peele feature to be shot on film itself. Mm, nice. It looks love, really I good. love the look of film. But yeah. When Stephen Young states that one hour you will leave here having witnessed a spectacle, there is exactly one hour until the credits. Oh my god. <laughs> I'm like, that's so good. Jeez, oh that is really good. Yeah. <laughs> Which is actually accurate exactly with Romeo and Juliet if you pronounce all the words in the way they would have been pronounced in the time period. Yeah. Oh my god. Ooh, what is it? 
Okay, so this was a. Uh... Yeah, this is Angel in the movie, right? Yeah. Okay, so. Brandon Perea. Brandon Perea, yes. So apparently, <laughs> so we forgot to mention the plot shows, but he survives. Like, he gets yeah, he almost does. sucked up, but he wraps a barbed wire around himself. Yeah. With like a tarp, and then when the jean jacket's eating him, he's like, oh, and he spits him out, and he lives. Yeah. So apparently, <laughs> Brendan Priya, it took several rewrites to convince Jordan Peele and the studio to keep his character alive. Because <laughs> he was going to die. <laughs> oh, he was going to die in that sequence? Or like, in the climax, yeah. yeah. So damn. Yeah. <laughs> it was like crap. So that's interesting, because like, with the Jaws influence, his survival there... Feels very reminiscent of Richard Dreyfus's survival in Jaws, oh. where it's like Dreyfus only survives in that mo- that movie because of an accident while filming. But you, yeah. you've seen Jaws, right? Nope. Oh, well, well, like that's the thing. Like, so you know, the final like half of the movie is like just three characters on a boat, and then it was supposed to be the scientist and the grizzled sea captain die. Only the sheriff lives, oh. but. The uh, the filming of the sequence where a shark rips apart the uh, rips apart the uh, the the shark cage with uh, that Richard Dreyfuss's character was in uh, Hooper uh, the the dummy of him that was in the cage floated out uh, in the one shot they got of a shark ripping it apart so they were like well I guess he lives yeah he escapes. <laughs> Yeah, Hooper escaped. <laughs> yeah. So then they just shot the ending so that he, after the climax, he he was like hiding out uh, under the coral and he like paddles up and it's like, oh, hey, we both lived. <laughs> That's really funny. So get this, this is about the SNL thing and the monkey. Yeah. So, you know, June has a long speech about SNL mocking Gordy's rampage with Chris Catan playing the chip. In the, did you know about this in the early 80s? Uh, P- Mr. Peepers, Chris Catan's character uh, on mm-hmm. SNL, who was a monkey man. Okay, so what it says here is that er- in the early 80s, SNL had a recurring bit called I Married a Monkey, where Tim Kezerinsky acted alongside a chimpanzee. Huh. Kezerinsky recounts in the book, Live from New York, an, unhun- an uncensored history of Saturday Night Live, that the sketch finally ended with the 11th episode of the ninth season. He joked that the chimp had tried to kill him before, but in the dress rehearsal for the episode, the chimp flew into a rage and really tried to inflict harm. Oh, God. According to Kazarinsky, the chimp's teeth were removed as a result. Oh, jeez. That's fucked up. That is fucked up. But yeah, but Chris Kattan had an actual Saturday Night Live character uh, where he played a monkey called Mr. Peepers. Oh, damn. <laughs> so that that's, like, it's a reference to that, Chris Kattan playing Gordy the Chimp, but yeah. <laughs> Alright, anything else before we wrap this up and get back to Godzilla films <laughs> on our Godzilla podcast? There's a thing about uh, when OJ leaves Lucky, mm-hmm. he tells him, Lucky, hang tight, I'll be back. Yeah. And the you know, Lucky hangs tight and doesn't get out of the, the yeah. bin, <laughs> and that keeps him, keeps him alive. Yeah. So what? So folks, I'm telling you right now, uh, if you discover an ancient, if you discover a UFO, an identifying object, and you are thinking about, hmm, how should I make money off of this? Don't do a theme park. Don't do a theme park. (laughs) Settle. Get a nice picture. 
and you a nice picture and video, <laughs> and you'll be you'll be more set for life than you could selling 130 tickets every Friday night. Because <laughs> why? Wow, I'm surprised nobody was like, "Hey, was that real? <laughs> we should get pictures of that." It's funny. It's funny stuff. Um, what a great movie! I'm I'm looking forward to whatever Mr. Peel makes next. Will he, I mean, I, I do hear rumors he was working on their project. Do you hear about that one? No, what is it? So it's a, he's returning as a veteran for the third feature of Epic Rap Battles of History. Oh my god. <laughs> We've got another episode to record. No time for bits. <laughs> <laughs> Alright folks, next time we're doing Godzilla versus uh, Megagirus. Megagirus. So we'll see you then.